0: This week on Business Brief, we'll hear about walkouts that Missouri pharmacists have been staging. Then we'll take a look at what it's like to start and run a business in a rural community. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese and I'm joined by my co-host Chelsea Peter. Chelsea, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm great. I'm, I just saw Scissor recently in St. Louis last night, so that was awesome. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Tell us more about the concert. I'm so excited to hear.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great performance. She sang really well and she brought out another artist on stage as well. And, you know, her, she's from St. Louis, so she really put on a great show
0: that's awesome we love a hometown show especially when it's here in missouri yes so that's super exciting i'm glad you had a great time thank you you ready to get into this week's headlines yes i am let's do it consumer prices rose 0.4 percent from august to september according to new data from the labor department that was a bit more than experts had anticipated on a yearly basis prices rose 3.7 percent which was also slightly higher than expected Housing costs were the biggest contributor to the price increases as the shelter index increased over 7 percent from a year ago. As prices rose, wages fell, with worker wages dropping 0.2 percent on the month.
1: The United Auto Workers Union is entering its fifth week of striking against major automakers. Employees at General Motors plants in the St. Louis and Kansas City areas remain sidelined. Negotiations between the union and General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis have produced some progress. The companies have all agreed to raise wages by 20 and 23 percent over the next four years. But on Wednesday, the union escalated the strike when nearly 9,000 workers walked off the job at Ford's most profitable plant. The
0: average 30-year fixed mortgage rates reached their highest level since the year 2000 last week, nearly touching 7.5%. That was an increase of almost a full percentage point from a year ago. Mortgage rates have climbed as the Federal Reserve Bank has raised borrowing costs from zero to more than 5% since early last year.
1: St. Louis will begin a program that will pay low-income families $500 a month for a year and a half. This is part of the city's push for a guaranteed basic income, an initiative other cities such as Baltimore, Chicago, and Denver are experimenting with. Around 540 households in the city will receive the money. St. Louis is funding the program with $5 million in federal pandemic aid and a $1 million contribution from tech billionaire Jack Dorsey. Applications will open October 23rd.
0: St. Louis Lambert International Airport will lease 158 acres of land to Boeing. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones signed legislation authorizing the agreement this week. The legislation calls for Boeing to pay over $2.5 million per year to lease the acreage. The contract is not yet finalized as it's dependent on whether or not Boeing is awarded new contracts from the U.S. Department of Defense. Boeing has not said much about what it would use the land for. For our first story, we're looking into some of the recent news surrounding
1: pharmacies. Oh, okay. So what's going on there?
0: Well, pharmacy employees are walking out of their jobs. Over 300 Walgreens locations around the country were impacted by walkouts earlier this week, leading the pharmacy giant to name a new CEO. And this all comes after CVS employees walked out a few weeks ago, protesting working conditions.
1: Oh, okay. So has any of this happened here in Missouri? Yes, actually. CVS
0: employees have walked out in Columbia and Kansas City. Around 20 CVS locations in the Kansas City metro area closed a few weeks ago because of the walkouts.
1: Got it. So what is the economic impact of all of this?
0: That's what I aim to find out. I spoke with Sarisha Naidu, an economics professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, about what the walkouts mean for Missouri and the state economy. Here's that story. Thank you so much for meeting with me today, Sarisha. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, what's been going on with these pharmacy walkouts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, So my first question here um, is just kind of um, an introduction of pharmacy staff across the country have staged walkouts recently with CVS employees walking out a few weeks ago and Walgreens employees walking out this week. What has been the reaction to these walkouts?
2: I think uh, the national attention now that um, the, these walkouts are getting, of course, um, also in, in some way, you know, is not, uh, not beneficial to uh, Walgreens and CVS, um, you know, because it's really putting a spotlight on the kind of practices that they're carrying out, right? And I think we only have to thank the pharmacists for it. Uh, because uh, you and I, or most people wouldn't know what's happening um, behind the scenes. But I think that pharmacists have really, you know, in, in, in so many ways have played this kind of moral and ethical role of saying that, uh, you know, apart from how they've been treated and, you know, their work conditions, that this is a serious problem in, in you know, for healthcare, because uh, it, it, it can have potentially fatal uh, implications for patients in case someone goes wrong.
0: Yeah. And uh, kind of uh, going off of that, you know, hearing from those pharmacists, have you heard
2: anything from striking pharmacists? And if so, what are they saying? Um, So one of the things, right, I've been keeping up with the news and uh, we have to actually thank um, Kansas City and Missouri pharmacists for kind of leading the way, right? They were the first to uh, walk out, you know, late um, uh, September. And uh, they're essentially calling on these big companies like Walgreens and CVS to really up uh, the number of, you know, pharmacy workers, right, or pharmacists, so that uh, they, they can do the job that they've been hired for, which is fill prescriptions and participate in the care of people who, Need medicines, right? And we also know that it's not just one or two pharmacies, right? It's not just, you know, it it started in Kansas City. And now, um, you know, it could, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, we're seeing pharmacy work, workers walk out in Arizona, in Oklahoma, in Virginia, right? We see, we're see, we seeing pharmacy workers speaking out in California and uh, potentially, um, you know, just from, you know, and they're not unionized, so we don't have any central place to get that information from. So they are much more decentralized and they're kind of trying to organize on their own, um, their individual states and their individual pharmacies, et cetera.
0: And you talked about how the walkouts started here in Missouri. Um, How have the walkouts, specifically in Missouri, impacted Missouri's economy, and how do you think they'll continue to do so?
2: But I think we also have to talk about not just what the impact has on uh, the walkouts, Uh, we also have to talk about the economic impact of not having sufficient promises. right? And I think sometimes we often say, what happens when workers... Uh, walk out or when they strike, but we also have to think about what is happening uh, that is leading them to strike, right? And what is happening, not just to them in terms of, you know, how it impacts them physically or mentally or in economic terms, but we also have to think about how it's impacting the economy, right? And we don't actually have numbers for that, right? And, And that is part of You know, sort of the uh, limitation where we actually don't keep track of how companies, by not hiring enough people, by not paying them enough wage, by not giving them sufficient breaks, uh, you know, how it might be impacting uh, the local economy, it might be impacting the economy of the state. And we don't actually have numbers for it. All we can do is we know that there is an impact. Uh, We don't know how much, right? And so we have to start talking about that as well. We have to kind of really, as As, um, you know, people, residents of Missouri, as, you know, just residents of of the country, uh, we really have to uh, hold these companies to a better standard so that they can, uh, you know, uh, actually fulfill what they claim that they're doing.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. That's all the questions I have. I really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: For our next story, we'll look at some challenges and benefits that come with starting and running a business in a rural community. Okay,
0: and what are some of those challenges?
1: Well, finding funding, employees, and customers can be harder in rural areas of Missouri since there are fewer people living there. However, there may also be less competition than in areas with a larger population.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense. And I'm guessing there are some important things that rural entrepreneurs should know before starting a business, right?
1: Yes. Missouri Business Alert's Lucy Valeski talked with Anastasia Tideman, the Executive Director of the Missouri Rural Enterprise and Innovation Center, about tips for starting and maintaining a small business in rural communities. Here's part of their conversation.
3: Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Anastasia. Thank you. What are some of the benefits of opening a business in a rural area?
4: When you're opening a business in a rural area, you know, if you are a part of the fabric of that community, you can expect a lot of support from your friends and neighbors, because this is the person that goes to church with you who's opening this business. And so everybody's got a pretty good personal relationship, usually, with the people who are opening businesses.
3: And then what are some of the biggest challenges or obstacles you see um, rural businesses running into?
4: One of the biggest challenges in our area, I think, is um, to capital. You know, a lot of people are funding their business out of their savings account or out off of their credit cards. Um, you know, perhaps there's, you know, once they reach their limit of what they can fund themselves, you know, they have to make sure their credit's okay so they can go to the bank and get, um, get a loan. There's not any, really a ton of other options in a rural area for financing other than your traditional lenders. So there's no we're very limited depending on where your area is. You know, angel investment or venture capital. There's, there's not that here.
3: And what is kind of your recommendation for finding funding in a rural area?
4: Well, it depends on how much you want and how, you know, how much you need. Um, I would say tap into your utility co-ops. Um, sometimes they have revolving loan funds. There are sometimes different uh, communities have their own revolving loan fund through the city or the county, and these are just for economic development. So basically what they're doing is they're getting a grant or some other kind of funding that they can um, loan to um, small businesses to create jobs and tax dollars and things like that, which are good for the community as well. Um, Usually the revolving loan funds tend to be at a, a lower percentage rate. Um, which is a great help now that the, you know, now the interest rate is really high. If you're looking at a revolving loan fund, I would say, you know, the rates are pretty favorable. You may not get as much money as you want. I mean, I don't know if you can, you know, do a million dollar loan or anything like that, but for small amounts for equipment or, or those kinds of things, that might be a good opportunity.
3: How has rising interest rates and inflation impacted small businesses in rural areas? Although people are still being entrepreneurial. I have seen them moving
4: forward at a more cautious, um, in a more cautious way. They're not, they don't want to all of a sudden just move in, move their boutique into a main street business. You know, perhaps they want to start selling online out of their home. So starting small, um, you know, uh, trying to gain a following before making a lot of, uh, before spending a lot of money on, you know, doing the big opening for the bricks and mortar building.
3: And how do you recommend businesses in rural parts of the state to market their brand or to get the word out about um, their business? There's a lot of
4: competition online. So what I think that they have to do, number one, is what I tell my businesses. If you want the community to support your business, you want to be supportive of your community. So so show up at those ribbon cuttings. Be a member of your chamber of commerce. Um, you know, um, talk to people after church, have donuts and coffee, you know, those kind of things. Be a member of the community and watch how the, the community would support you. So I think that's one of the basic things you do. My number one piece of advice would be to do your research, I think. Do your research, have have a good plan, go visit with your SVDC counselor, um, talk through some of the obstacles and talk through some of the ways to get your business started and um, I would say you know set yourself up for success and do your research early because you don't want to have spend a whole bunch of money on an idea that might not take off.
0: It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Chelsea, what do you have for us this week?
1: Well, my word is SAFER, and technically it's an acronym.
0: Okay, and an acronym for what exactly?
1: Okay, great, you asked. So SAFER is short for Secure and Fair Enforcement Regulation. The SAFER Banking Act is federal legislation that could expand spending options for cannabis businesses. The U.S. Senate is currently considering the legislation which would allow those businesses to access a variety of financial institutions.
0: Got it. So if the bill is made law... How would this change how marijuana businesses
1: operate? Well, it could lead business owners to open accounts with companies such as Visa and Chase, something they are prohibited from doing right now. Interesting.
0: Why aren't those businesses allowed to open accounts with these companies?
1: Well, because marijuana is still federally illegal, so some credit companies don't allow businesses that sell cannabis products to open accounts with them as a cautionary step.
0: Oh, okay. So how else do these restrictions impact cannabis businesses?
1: The restrictions limit business owners' ability to take out loans and make electronic payments, as well as to find banking options in their state. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is Bucky's. Do you
0: mean that big gas station with the beaver sign? That is correct. Bucky's is actually coming to Missouri with a new location opening in Springfield this fall. And as someone from Texas, this is pretty crazy to me. Bucky's currently has locations in seven southern states, so the new Springfield location will not only be Missouri's first, but also the Midwest's first.
1: Wow, that's interesting. So, why is the new location in the news right now if it's not opening right away?
0: Bucky's is holding a hiring event starting this weekend. The new location aims to hire up to 300 people prior to the grand opening.
1: Got it. So, what kind of jobs is the new Bucky's looking to hire?
0: The new location is searching for employees to fill a variety of roles, such as bookkeepers, grocery stalkers, and night managers. For a closing thought, here's Anastasia Tideman again with her go-to advice for rural Missouri entrepreneurs. My number one piece of advice
4: would be to do your research. I think do your research, have have a good plan, go visit with your SBDC counselor. Um, talk through some of the obstacles and talk through some of the ways to get your business started. And um, I would say, you know, set yourself up for success and do your research early because you don't want to, have to spend a whole bunch of money on an idea that might not take off.
0: Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing the music for this episode. For my co-host Chelsea Peter, editors Yasha Mika Skyler Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacey, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.